0: boards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Standing by for your calls about your home improvement projects, your decorating dilemmas. The number is one 888 Pit 888-666-3974. Suffering from some winter blues? Well, you don't have to. We are here to brighten your day with some suggestions on how you can improve your house. And we're here to help. Short of picking up the paintbrush, we will, however, pick up the phone when you call us at one 888 Pit and get into your home improvement projects to help solve those do-it-yourself dilemmas. Let's talk about what's going on in your world and what you want to do to make your home better, because this is where home solutions live. Hey, winter storms are pretty common right now, and they can mean a blackout, whether it's snow, ice, or rain. This hour, we're going to give you some advice about staying safe if that happens to you.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And depending on the age of your kids, you might actually want a squeaky floor. I know Tom uses this I do. I do. Yep. Here, i coming up
0: and down the stairs.
1: Seriously, it is a dead (laughs) giveaway if your teen is, you know, trying to sneak in past curfew. Well, I've got some years on that. But if the squeaks and creaks are totally bugging you, Tom Silva from TV's This Old House is going to be stopping by the money pit with tips to help you quiet your floors and stairs and even ID the squeak if you've got carpet or vinyl or tile. He's going to help us out with all of that.
0: And while we're on the subject of floors, there's a great way to have warm feet when you step out of the shower on a cold winter morning. It's called a radiant floor. We're going to tell you how you can have one in your house in just a bit.
1: Mm -hmm. And we've got a great prize this hour, which will help you communicate your home improvement question to us pretty much anywhere you might be, because this hour we're giving away an AT&T cordless phone system worth 60 bucks.
0: So let's get right to it. The number is one 888 Pit 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first?
1: Tom in Alabama needs some help with a laundry room situation. What can we do for you?
2: Well, I had, about several years ago, we added a 12 by 24 sunroom to the back of our house. The room sets about 10 to 12 inches off the ground. Okay. Our, our laundry room is also on the back of the house. So you can imagine the vent is going into the laundry room. Okay. Well, we always use a sheer stocking on the end to stop the, the lint.
0: <laughs> so you and have this thing works, venting into the sunroom? Do you see like bits of lint floating in the sunlight?
2: No, no. Actually, it works fine. We just have to open the windows once in a while, put the fans on, and everything's fine. Yeah, well, but it's guess... probably
0: pretty humid, if, if nothing else. It's not a good idea to vent a dryer into any area that's considered living space.
2: You're right. And, and that's my question. What I what I would like to do is run it down under the floor and out. But I got 12, 12 feet to run. So obviously okay. the clothes are never going to dry.
0: Well, they, there- they may, if you do it correctly. The secret here is to have as few bends as possible. If you can go off the dryer down and have like one 90-degree bend into that space and out. And if you make that duct out of solid metal ducting, I don't want you to use the flexible plastic dryer hose. There's a lot of interior resistance. You'll also get condensation, and it could be a fire hazard. But if you use solid metal ducting with very little resistance, that'll be fine. People run that metal ducting 10, 15, 20 feet all the time. It really has to do with the number of turns and, you know, how smooth it is. So if you use the, sm- the, the metal duct, you'll be fine doing that, Tom.
2: Oh, okay, great. I was wondering if I was going to have like, a, like an in-line, some kind of an exhaust or something I could put in, but I guess that'd be over
0: exhausting. That's overkill. You're overthinking it. No, metal ducting is fine, and just think about how nice it's going to be to sit in the sunroom without having the odor of fabric <laughs> softener in the air. Which
2: is nice, You though. got <laughs> it. <You're>, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> okay.
0: Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome, Tom. Thanks so much for calling us at one money pit
1: Karen, Wisconsin needs some help with the popcorn ceiling. Tell us about the project.
3: Well, I'm trying to redo my um, house, and I used um, a spray bottle with water in it to mm-hmm. get the ceiling soft, and that worked out really well to take it off and not have a lot of dust around. But then when I went to put the paint up, there was still some left up there, and that peeled off as I was rolling the paint on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. So what is the best way to do that?
0: Well, I mean, obviously you didn't get it all off there. Now, where are we at right now? Do you have a a painted ceiling that's got got a little bit of popcorn still stuck on it?
3: Yes, yes.
0: Hmm. Well, what I would tell you to do is is to go back at it and try to get the rest of that off if you really want to get rid of all that popcorn. And then once you're sure you've got it all off, the next thing I would apply is primer, not not sealing paint, because okay. that's going to seal in the surface and give it a good firm coat for the new paint to adhere to, and that will bind anything that's sort of left behind. And then you want to use flat paint. Don't use anything with a sheen, because even though you've got most of that popcorn off, it's still going to be some unevenness left behind. And if you use anything that's got a sheen, it's going to look really bad. So those are the steps. You're going to have to go back and, and get everything that you missed. There's no short way around that. And then prime it and then repaint it with flat paint.
3: Okay. All right. Thank you.
0: All right, Carrie. Glad we helped you out. Thanks so much for calling us at one 888 Pit.
1: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, we are smack into winter. And if you are just bored with how your house is looking, pick up the phone and give us a call because we can help you either redecorate or do that home repair that has been driving you bananas. So give us a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT.
0: 888-666-3974. Up next, have you ever been left in the dark because of a power outage? Well, it can actually be Pretty unsafe. We're going to make sure that doesn't happen to you next. You're
3: in a money pit.
1: The money pit is brought to you by Thermatrue Doors, the nation's leading manufacturer of fiberglass entry and patio door systems. Thermatrue Doors are Energy Star qualified and provide up to five times the insulation of a wood door. To learn more, visit Thermatrue.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie
0: making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at MoneyPit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Scretti. And you should give us a call at 1-888-MONEYPIT. And you could be the winner of a new phone to make more calls to the Money Pit. That's right. (laughs) This hour, we're giving away the cl eight twenty two oh nine. My goodness, that is quite a name. And it's a cordless (laughs) phone system from AT&T. It's worth $60. And it features a sleek design and options for up to 12 handsets through a single phone jack. So all of you out there with your McMansions, this is the phone for you. And it's also got intercoms between handsets, handset speaker phones, ringtones, and more. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds pretty yeah. cool. This is a very good prize. So give us a call at one eight 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 Money Pit for your chance to win.
0: Unlike the junk we normally give away.
1: No, I mean this is so <laughs> unusual for us. Usually it's power tools or safety items. No, or it's kind of cool. This is very cool. All
0: right, give us a call eight 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 Money Pit 3974 Want to give you a little tip here now on how to handle a power outage. You know. When it happens, your life can take a few twists and turns. But here's what you need to know to get through a blackout. First, it's important you power down, making sure that all your appliances are unplugged until, until the power comes back on and stays on for at least a half hour. This way, the power company can actually stabilize the grid. It's not as easy for those guys as simply flicking a switch. They really need to power down and power back up the whole grid. So make it a little bit easier on your neighbors and try to keep things off that you don't need on. Also, when it comes to your refrigerator, don't open it. Things can actually stay cool inside the refrigerator and even the freezer for something like 8 to 12 hours. So if you try to restrict access, you're likely to have it last a lot longer. And, uh, you know, perhaps you'll never have to worry about using up any food or throwing any, throwing out anything that... Uh, was once frozen.
1: Now, here's something that you need to think about, which you might overlook when you start thinking about a power outage. You know, carbon monoxide is a huge risk when the power goes out. So make sure that you never run a gas power generator inside your house or even in an open garage or even right next to a window. Just be really careful about where you place your gas power generators because you do not want that carbon monoxide to circle back into the house or maybe get sucked in through an open window. So just be careful when you're placing one outside. And then also don't with charcoal or propane in an enclosed area. Never in the garage, never in your porch, not in the house. Don't do it. And don't use candles for light. You know, try to keep flashlights around the house. Keep extra batteries handy and spread the flashlights out around the house. Put one upstairs, put one downstairs in the kitchen. You know, keep one wherever you might be in the event of a power outage and you will always be prepared.
0: 888-666-3974. Call us right now with your home improvement question. Let's get back to the phones.
1: Norma in Missouri needs some help with the sump pump situation. Tell us what's going on.
2: Okay, there's a pipe all around the outside of the bottom of the basement and that the water drains all around the house to a sump pump in the basement. Mm -hmm. Then the sump pump pushes it out into the sewer. What can be done so that you don't
3: have to have a sump
0: pump? Well, that's a good question. Now, the system that you're describing is called a subsurface drain system, and it's about as common uh, a system as there is out there. And the reason that most people have basement drainage systems is because they get leakage. Uh, but that particular system is not the only way to stop your basement from leak. It usually comes down to grading and drainage at the foundation perimeter. Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, there are ways that you can manage it, Norma. You need to think about, you know, do you have gutters on the house? Are they clean and free-flowing? Do you have enough amount of gutters and downspouts to provide sufficient water movement from your roof? You know, it depends on how big your house is. Is the grading okay? Are you sloping away from the house? Is it the right type of grading? Is it clean fill dirt or is it potting soil? And there's a lot of things you need to address to get that water out of there so then you don't need the sump pump.
0: On our website at moneypit.com, we've got lots of advice on how to stop leaky basements. So all the tips and the tricks of the trade are right there. Take a look at that site. Search on fixing a leaky basement and you will find your solution. 888-666-3974. Call us right now with your home improvement question.
1: Paul in New York, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Someone
3: ca- had spoken to me about installing a capacitor, uh, on, again, on my uh, electric box. Right. And that would uh, you know, save me money on my utility bills. And they're telling me that it would, you know, uh, take wasted energy that comes from my motor and, and recycle it. And therefore, I would be saving money. And I mm-hmm. wanted to know what your thoughts are
0: about that. I've seen some of those schemes. <laughs> and, okay, are they schemes, and I don't know that they actually work. I will tell you, if you want to save money on your energy bill, there are probably a lot more tried and true ways to do that.
3: Okay, that's good to hear.
0: You know, Energy oh. Star appliances, uh, compact fluorescent light bulbs, more insulation. You know, there's a lot easier ways to save money in utility bills than to uh, try some of these technologies, which are just not yet proven yet.
3: Okay, well, I appreciate that.
0: So I would stick with the basics.
3: Okay, thank you very much, Tom.
0: You're very welcome. And you know, on our website, we've got a an article with ten free ways to save money on your electric bill. You might want to take that look at that at MoneyPit.com.
1: Fred in Ohio needs some help with the heating question. What can we do for you?
0: Hi,
2: yes, I recently purchased a uh, LP gas vent-free uh, fireplace. Okay, and uh, it just has an on and off. Uh, remote control switch on it. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering for some way that I could change it out to hook up to a uh, thermostat so I could leave it on and actually benefit from heating my home from this rather than just for an appearance sake type thing.
0: Well, Fred, I got to tell you that we don't like vent-free fireplaces too much around here because they're not really vent-free. They're, they're You are the vent. It's yeah, basically they're venting, venting into your house. Venting into the house and they're discharging a lot of moisture into the house. And uh, they can be potentially unsafe if they if they don't run properly and they start to create carbon monoxide. So I am concerned about the fact that you have a vent-free. You really, with any appliance, can't modify that appliance, especially the controls on it, without potentially doing something that's very dangerous. So I wouldn't recommend that you try to add a thermostat to it or anything like that I would use it very carefully, I would use it only under supervision, and I would make sure that I've got a carbon monoxide detector on every uh, level of your home.
2: Okay. Is there anything else I need to do to make it safe, then, since you really don't like them?
0: Well, I, I, I can't give you something that'll make it safe besides getting one that's vented. I mean, if you want to have a, a, an LP fireplace, that's great, but you can easily get one that's vented through the wall or a direct vent. I just don't like fireplaces that are vented into the house. You know, okay. they, they those are—they actually are are outlawed in the entire country of Canada, which is pretty advanced with their environmental uh, rules and regulations. So, I mean, we we're allowed to build them here, but it doesn't mean we got to like them. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome, Fred. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. He wasn't particularly in a good mood, considering mm-hmm. considering just... you
1: told him that his fireplace should go
0: in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much.
1: Well, gee, thanks so much. Yeah,
0: thanks so much. You're welcome, Fred. Anytime we can help you out, man, just call right back. (laughs) All right, who's next?
1: Mary in California needs some help with a deck project. What can we do for you?
3: Uh, Yes, we're having a problem trying to figure out what to do to remove paint from the redwood decking. So We have a big deck in front and back, and we don't know. My husband doesn't know what to use to get it off. And he doesn't know what to put on the redwood to make it look nice.
0: Well, Mary, the good news is that you've got redwood there as the deck material. I mean, redwood is fantastic because it lasts forever. It's naturally decay and disease resistance. Now, the unfortunate thing is that it was painted. So the first thing we're going to have to do is get rid of that paint. And the only way to do that is going to be with a paint stripper. But once you get that down, then I think this deck would look fantastic if you were to stain it.
3: Uh, Do you have any product for the stripping of it?
1: All right, Mary. Now, what I would do is once you've got all of that paint off, I would use a good wood cleaner just to try to, you know, get rid of anything that's left behind. Now, you mentioned a company, a great one out there is Flood. Their website is flood.com. And I would start first with their wood stripper. That's going to get rid of anything that's left behind, all the dirts, all the remnants, and it's really going to get you to a good, clean basis for that redwood to Accept stain. Now, depending on what your wood condition is, I would probably go with a solid color stain, unless for some reason that graining and all of those planks are in fantastic condition, then you could do semi transparent. Otherwise, I'd go with a solid color stain. Flood makes a great collection of colors, and the product name is SWF Solid Stain. Now, you're going to get 15 years on your vertical surfaces and five years on your horizontal surfaces, so it's really going to last a long time. And the benefit of stain over paint is that instead of sitting on top of the wood like a paint would, stain's actually going to be saturated into the wood surface itself, so it's going to last a long time. And there's great color choices, so you'd be really happy with it.
0: And that website also has great step-by-step advice on how to do all of these tasks. Again, that was flood.com. Check out their finishing guide while you're on that website. Mary, thanks so much for calling us at one 888 Pit.
1: Jim in Arkansas has a cloudy concrete floor. Tell us what you're looking at.
2: Well, I have a lake home that I built about five years ago. The first two years were fine. I, uh, stained the floor and sealed it. Uh, The last three years, I've seen quite a bit of moisture migration coming up through this lab, causing efflorescence. And Mm -hmm. uh, since that time, I put in French drains and pulled off some of the the runoff that was coming up and and sitting next to the building. But I'm unsure right now how to proceed. Of course, I'm going to have to do something with the floor. And I'm unsure if... uh, if you might or are unsure what type of moisture barrier to put down before I uh, use tile or something like that.
1: Now, the concrete floor that you have there, are you happy with how the stain looks aside from this, you know, mineral deposits that you're seeing, that white cloudiness. Are you, I mean, did you do a good job with the stain? Is it something that's a look you were going for? Uh,
2: the stain was, was fantastic. Except, well,
1: uh, except you keep getting this cloudy white appearance on it, Correct. Yes. Well, what you need to do is first, you know, we need to think about addressing where all this moisture is coming from, and that's with the outside. But to clear up this efflorescence, which is that white cloudiness that you'll see on concrete, which is really salt deposits, you know, mineral deposits, and there's really one trick that'll get rid of it, and it's actually white vinegar. All you need to do is mix up a solution of white vinegar and water, and you can mop that right on your floor and then do a clean mop or you know, spray it on in the areas and then wipe it away with a sponge, and it'll be
3: gone.
0: And once you get that floor clean, if you used a sealer, a clear sealer product on that, I think it would slow down the efflorescence. You know, high, um, concrete's very hydroscopic. It's incred- incredibly absorbent, and so it will suck up water into its surface. And when it gets to the top, it wants to evaporate that moisture into the house air and it leaves the salts behind. So we can stop them from getting up that high. Um, you may be able to stop this. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Jim. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit.
1: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Hey, if you want a quick tip to silence squeaky floors and creaky stairs, well, we've got it for you. So stick around.
3: On the Money Pit Radio Show,
4: pick up the talent
1: up your home, by calling Money Pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by ThermaTru Doors, the nation's leading manufacturer of fiberglass entry and patio door systems. Install a new energy-efficient ThermaTru door today and qualify for up to a $1,500 tax credit. To learn more, visit thermatruecom slash tax credit.
0: Where home solutions live. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
0: On air and online at MoneyPit.com, where you'll find all the tips and advice you need to know for cleaning your house in the Ideas and Solutions section. Just go on to MoneyPit.com, click on Ideas and Solutions, and then check out our cleaning section. All of the recipes that you need to get out stains and stop your washer from stinking and all the crazy questions <laughs> that we get about cleaning your house, getting rid of mold, that kind of thing, is online right now at moneypit.com. Just simply go and check out the section for the answers to your cleaning questions. Pick up the phone for the answers to the rest of your questions. The number, again, is one eight 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 money pit.
1: Doug in North Carolina has a water heating question. How can we help you?
2: Uh, my home is about 10 years old, and I was wondering if it ever loses a water heater what do you recommend the tankless type water heater i've seen quite a bit about those one even advertises or heard it advertises forever Mm -hmm. and um and i was just one of the tankless or the tank type water heater i currently have a tank type water heater and occasionally with a teenage daughter and an adolescent son i do run out of hot water from
0: time to time you you need a bigger water heater or you need one that doesn't run out Um, Doug, I'm in your situation. You know, my kids are getting big, and I think a tankless is definitely the way to go. A little more expensive on the upfront to buy it and install it, but it offers you a lot of benefits. Not only is it much more energy efficient than a standard tank water heater, which, if you think about it, has to keep water heated all the time, even if you're using it. Whether you're using it or not, it doesn't matter. It still stays hot. Uh, But a tank water heats it on demand. Now, do you have gas, natural gas? Yep. Okay. So you're in good shape on the fuel side of this. So I would recommend that you look at uh, either the Renai tankless or the Ream tankless, both great brands, good products. And I think that you're going to find that uh, that's the most cost-effective solution for you and the one that's going to keep everybody in the family happy.
2: Okay. Now, um, if I wanted to go with electric, do they have electric tankless? They do
0: not. Years? They do not. Because Uh, You can't get the same efficiencies with um, an electric tankless. Now, if you do want to go with electric, Rheem has something called a heat pump water heater, the HP50, which uses a heat pump technology to uh, get quite a bit of savings out of it. But if you have natural gas in your house, I don't recommend you ever go to electric. I I think you should stay with natural gas, and I think you should go with a natural gas-fired tankless. Just make sure you size it properly for the number of bathrooms, and you'll be good to go
2: they got them for LP just as well as now Oh absolutely
0: yes they do Okay thank you very much You're welcome thanks so much for calling us at 1888 money pit
1: Well, depending on your kids' ages, squeaky floors might actually be a huge plus or a really annoying downside of an older house. Now, if you've got teenagers who are trying to sneak in well past their curfew, squeaky floors are a great advantage for parenting. But if you've got a baby trying to nap, not so much.
0: That's right. But there are remedies to squeaks and creaks, and here to tell us about them is Kevin O'Connor, host of This Old House, with the show's general contractor, our pal, Tommy, Silva, and Kevin. Squeaks and creaks, they're not so bad all the time, are they?
4: Sometimes creaky stairs and squeaky floors can add to the charm and character of an old home. And sometimes these noises are just really annoying. So how do you get rid of them? First of all, you have to understand what causes the squeak. Wood rubbing against wood, wood rubbing against metal. In other words, the nail sliding on the nail. No adhesive under the subfloor if you live in a newer house. If you live in an older house, it's probably that old floorboard sliding up and down on the nail. So how do you get rid of them? The solution is first locate the squeak. And do that by stepping on the floor up and down. Once you've found that squeak, now you have to find the joist below that squeak. Once you've located the joist, you take two nails and put them on like an X and drive them into the floor joist. That will hold the floor down nice and tight to the joist stopping the squeak. There's also a breakaway screw that you can use. Drive that through the finished floor into the joist below. The head of the screw will snap off just below the finished surface of the floor. All you have to do is fill that little hole.
0: And what are you supposed to do if you have a wall-to-wall carpet or if you've got a finished floor like vinyl? How do you get to the squeak in that case?
4: Well, if you have a finished floor like vinyl or even tile, it's difficult because you can't go through the vinyl or the tile. So if you can get access from below, like in a basement, or if it's a plastered ceiling, you may have to take down the plastered ceiling. How bad is the squeak to do that? Uh, But if it's carpet, some carpets you don't want to use the screws through, like a loop loop carpet, you don't want to use the screws. But I would say the majority of the carpet, you can drill right through the carpet with the screw into the joist. The screw head will break off just below the subfloor and tightening up the screw. All right. Well, we've got more information and a step-by-step video demonstration of those
0: screws on thisoldhouse.com. Sounds good. And if you have teenagers like me, you just might want to leave those squeaks in place so you know when they're coming home at night. Exactly. Tom Silva, Kevin O'Connor, thanks for stopping by the Money Pit. Thanks, Tom and Leslie. Always great to be here.
1: You know, I swear, we have got all of the squeaks and creaks completely memorized in our house. You know, (laughs) especially when Henry was much smaller and getting him to sleep through the night was more difficult. You had to tiptoe around them? We had to tiptoe down those stairs. I knew the first two was like outside to the right, outside to the left, down the center. (laughs) I mean, really, sometimes going through our house is like an obstacle course.
0: Well, for more tips and advice on fixing squeaky floors and a lot more, you can watch Ask This Old House on PBS. And Ask This Old House is brought to you by GE. GE Imagination at Work. Still ahead, a do it yourself project that will leave you with warm feet on cold winter mornings. We'll give you tips on how to install Radiant Heat next. making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
0: On air and online at moneypit.com. Pick up the phone, give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT. When you call, you'll not only get the answer to your home improvement question, you'll also get entered into this hour's prize drawing. We're giving away the AT&T cordless phone system worth fifty nine ninety five. It features a sleek design and options for up to 12 handsets through a single phone jack. So pick up the phone, give us a call right now with your home improvement question and your chance to win at 1-888-MONEYPIT.
1: Well, winter mornings can be frigid depending on where you live, but even if you're in a milder climate, you might actually like to have a warm floor to step out onto when you get out of your shower or your bath, and I swear waking up in the morning anyway, even if you're in Hawaii, that floor is cold. You are tired. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, if you want some warmer flooring, all you need to do is add radiant heat to your bath, and it can actually be a do-it-yourself project. I know a lot of you have thought, I can't really do this on my own, but if you have some experience with electrical work, you can. Now, radiant heat panels, they can be put under wood, laminate, or tile. Now, a thin electric mat installed in thin-set cement and controlled by a timer thermostat will cost about, let me say, five to 700 bucks to install on average, and then only cost less than $0.10 cents a day to run. And think about how warm you're going to be.
0: Absolutely. You know, that's one of the few luxuries that uh, a lot of people can have in a house with not a lot of money is that radiant heat, because mm-hmm. the prices are going down and down and down, and the ease of installation is uh, getting a lot more attainable to a lot more people. So it's a nice thing to do, nice thing to do for yourself, nice thing to do for your feet on the yeah. chilly winter mornings. 888-666-3974. Got a bathroom question or a DIY question for your kitchen? Call us right now at one 888 Pit.
1: Erica in New York needs some help with an HVAC situation. Tell us what's going on at your house.
3: Sure. Um, we just bought the house in May and we noticed um, shortly after moving in that when we turned the air conditioning on, the second floor would not get uh, cold. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is now happening in the winter. Um, so that's our problem. We, we don't know what to do um, to start getting the second floor uh, cool or heated.
0: Mm. So it's both cooling and heating that are an issue?
3: Yeah, and, and are you know, we sure
1: the th- that the ducts are open? I know we that's did. Like-
3: we we made sure everything in that end is open. Um, and I'm not sure if it's that we don't have enough ducts, and the thermostat's only on the first floor. It's not on the second. Right. So I'm wondering if that's part of the problem.
0: And what about the return ducts? Are they inside the rooms, or are they like in the hallways?
3: They're in the rooms, but that's the other thing. Um, in one of the bedrooms, there's only one duct, and when I you know when I turn it on, if I go up there and feel it, it you barely feel anything coming mm. out of
0: them. I think that you've got an issue with the duct design. You don't have enough airflow getting up there, and you say there's only you say there's the, the return ducts in the room itself. So the supply and the return are in the same room. Um, that's unusual in a house that's built in the. Usually, uh, in the you've late got your 80s.
1: return in like a central location, perhaps a oh, hallway I, I, outside.
3: I'm sorry, maybe that's what it is. I'm getting confused. Um, I, there is something I think in the hallway. That's probably the return. Yeah, um, it's
0: a big, big open larger room. area, but the yeah. small
3: ducts are in the bedrooms.
0: Yeah. Eric, I definitely think there's an obstruction in those ducts, and we got to get to the bottom of it. Um, Part of the correction here could be an adjustment to the blower speed. It could be the installation of a duct booster, or it could be the installation of additional duct work, either supply ducts, return ducts, or both into those rooms.
1: Brian in New York is feeling winter's chill in a 130-year-old home. What can we do for you?
3: I had an insulation question. All right. Uh, I've got this big old house, and I've got a, a, a third floor slash attic space, which is completely unfinished. Okay. And I'm in, I'm in the process of finishing it, and um, I'm looking at my options for insulation. And uh, I, I wasn't really sure. I, I got some quotes, and I wasn't sure if it was worth the, the extra cost to go with, with a full kind of isonine foam-type insulation uh-huh. or, or if I would be okay just doing an isonine on the on the roof portion, and maybe foam bats in the walls
0: all right, well, when you use a foam in place insulation like isonine that does two things. It seals out drafts and it insulates at the same time. And in the situation where you have uh, basically open rafter bays right now, it's a real good time to use a product like that because if the ceiling was was in place, it would be a lot harder. So it's a good product. It does a great job. It is going to be more expensive than a fiberglass bat. Um, But uh, it does two things and that it seals out drafts at the same time. Now if you want to use fiberglass, that's also perfectly fine, less expensive, a little bit easier to install. Here's one trick of the trade though, when it comes to finishing a rafter as opposed to a a floor joist, so to speak. You need to use insulation that's slightly thinner, in other other words, not as deep as the rafter bay itself. So if your rafters happen to be 2x8s, you would use insulation designed for 2x6 or about 5.5 inches deep instead of seven and a half inches deep. The reason you're doing that, Brian, is because you're leaving space between the insulation and the sheathing so that air can pass over it. And that will keep it dry and hence mold free and also uh, very, very uh, high R value because if you get it damp, it loses its R value. All
1: right. Perfect. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, we're going to reach into our email bag next. And this week, we've got a really messy problem to help tackle. One of our listeners had a sewer backup into his basement Yuck. Lot, and wants to know how to clean it up. Hi, pick up the phone and call somebody. <laughs> um, well, if that's ever happened to you, we're going to have the step-by-step cure after this. Step one, nose plugs. <laughs>
3: On the Buddy Pit Radio Show.
0: Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, making good homes better. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti. And now that we are officially into a new decade, I think all of us need to become tech savvy, which means I need to become tech savvy. But if you want to be part of the future, follow us on Facebook. It's awesome and it's a lot of fun. All you need to do to become a fan of the Money Pit is text "fan the money pit" to FBOOK at 32665 from your cell phone it's instantaneous you will be a fan of the money pit we send out lots of great articles fun pictures there's a great picture of Tom when he was in high school with his big bouffant <laughs> hair and his puka bead necklace it is so jersey you will love it now if you text to become a fan some standard text messaging charges will apply so don't be surprised when you see your bill but you know what you're going to get so much valuable information from being a fan of the money pit you won't even remember that 90 cents
0: and you can uh, even post your home improvement question on the fan page.
1: And we'll answer them.
0: At uh, Facebook, that's right. Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, it's really great. And if you've got more questions while you're online, email us your question on the Money Pit site, moneypit.com, and we'll answer them every hour of the show like we do right now. And I've got one here from Jeff, who says, we recently had a sewer backup in our basement. The backup consisted of sewer water from the main stack. Now the backup was cleared, but the water remains. What's the best way to clean this?
0: Well, generally, anytime you get anytime you get a lake in the basement, the easiest way to clean it is with a wet dry vacuum, like a mm-hmm. shop vac or some other type of wet dry vacuum. The fact that this is wastewater means we have to also make sure that we sanitize it. And the way we would do that is simply by using a bleach and water solution. Bleach is like the miracle sanitizer. It really is. And it really does a great job. And it doesn't have to be super strong either. So if you had a bleach solution that would say about 10% bleach, 90% water, or even 20% bleach, and you sprayed it down and you rinsed that area, perhaps just mopped it out, that would be fine. When you get done, make sure you do the same thing for the wet-dry vacuum so that you kill any bacteria that's left behind
1: Mm -hmm. i've seen on the morning shows i think it's disgusting they always will you know once a year to thoroughly freak everybody out take a vacuum that you've been using for ages and ages in your house and then run a test on the all of the tools and the bacteria that they find on these pieces you know i mean it's crazy so do take the efforts to sanitize and clean all of your cleaning appliances because this is a messy job jeff All right, now we've got an email from Bill who writes, there's a new product called Bondera. It's a tile adhesive on a roll. Do you have any experience with it? Now, this is crazy because we have, and this is an actual email, and the folks that make Bondera, Grace, um, they're actually sponsors of the show, so. Yes,
0: that's right, and they have been in the past, so uh, by way of full disclosure, we'll tell you that. Uh, And then we'll also tell you that we used Bondera on a project that we did for the AARP. Mm -hmm. It was a home makeover situation where we had just one day to tile... And grout a countertop. And it was a perfect situation because it's sort of like a two sided sticky roll mastic. It's
1: super sticky.
0: Yeah, really sticky. Leslie was sticking all over it. We had it to like peel it off. was of right.
1: <laughs> like But you put this
0: stuff down on the countertop or on the backsplash, and then you can stick the tiles right to it and you can instantly grout. So you don't have to worry about mixing mastic and spreading down mastic. You put it down, you place the tiles on, and then you're ready to grout right away. And the next morning, All we had to do was sort of buff off the excess grout Mm -hmm. and it looked fantastic and Mm -hmm. it was really easy to use. So I think it's going to make tiling a lot easier for people in the future because it's just one less thing that you have to do. And in a project that does require a lot of steps.
1: Mm -hmm. And you know what, Bill, look for tiles that have smoother backs or if they do have some sort of lip detail on the backside, make sure that there's a uniform layout of the lipping detail on the backside. This way you get really good adhesion because the stuff works fantastic and you are going to love your project.
0: You've been listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. The show continues online at moneypit.com, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Head on over there, shoot us an email, ask us your home improvement question, pick up the phone any time of the day or night, and call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. If you are doing a home improvement project in the middle of the night because you can't sleep, well, we never do either. Call (laughs) us with that question. We will get back to you the next time we are in the studio. But for now, that's all the time we have. I'm Tom Kreitler. And
1: I'm Leslie Segretti.
0: Remember, you can do it yourself,
1: but you don't have to do it alone.
0: Give a body
2: pick!